0: Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can.
1: Hey Soul Sister, have you ever had an experience with a horrible boss? Maybe like in the actual movie, Horrible Bosses, and that's like... ...one of my favourite movies. I love it. It's hilarious. But in real life, having a horrible boss is not hilarious at all. It can actually be really traumatic. And I know because I had a traumatic horrible boss experience... ...about 12 years or so ago. I think that probably most people have come across... ...some sort of horrible boss in their life. So on this episode of Hey Soul Sister Podcast... ...we're going to share some horrible boss stories. Look at what you can do if you happen to have a horrible boss... ...and if you are a boss what you can do to be a wonderful one and help create a great culture in the workplace. And to pull this whole topic apart, I have two special guests with me today. I have Belinda Smith, who has an MBA in management and is the Chief People Officer of International Insurance Company Badger. And I have Nadine Barreto, who is the founder of Eight Recruitment and has 20 years in the recruitment and HR industry. Welcome, ladies. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming along today and having fun with this scary topic of horrible bosses. Now, have either of you ever had a horrible boss that you want to share?
2: I've I've been pretty fortunate, but there's definitely been one experience that comes to mind. And it was a boss who was the kind of person that would play favourites, that was building up their own team of golden children, if you like. And I was one of those golden children to start off with, but then when I didn't play by the rules of their game um, or when I spoke up or disagreed with anything that they were saying or doing, then I became out of favour. And so then I started to be pushed out. And at the end of it, they told me, well, you never really fit in here anyway, which really knocked my confidence. It really knocked my confidence because I thought I was doing a good job. I thought I was... You know, really committed, a really good fit, I was really excited about the opportunities and so I ended up leaving um, and trying to go on a different journey to say, well, okay, where do I fit if not there?
1: I had an experience with a horrible boss which absolutely knocked my confidence. So I was employed with a company about, I think it was 12 or 13 years ago and it was interesting because when I was being interviewed by the HR person and this, it was a woman who Became my boss. I remember during the interview process, I my gut intuition was telling me there was something not right here. Um, and but I really wanted to come back to Newcastle. I'd been commuting down to the Central Coast, and I really wanted to come back to Newcastle. So I kind of ignored my intuition. I and kind of thought, you know what, this is what I I need to come here. I need to, if if I'm going to stop commuting, this is the job that I need to take. And my intuition was right, Mm. like it is so often. And she was what I later read is a workplace psychopath. She was truly manipulative, tried to turn team members against each other, She was just nasty to other people in other departments, not so much to other managers of other departments, but to team members of other departments. She would be run absolutely hot and cold, so you never knew when you came to work that day what you were going to get. And I remember sitting in the office one day and hearing her talking about one of our fellow teammates to one of the directors in the company. And I was so mortified at the way she was speaking so in such a derogatory way this per- about this person. I remember feeling sick to my stomach. I remember one time she was moving house and made our team leave work and with our cars to go to her place and we had to pack up all her house and move her house. And I remember thinking, I'm sure the owner of the company doesn't know about this. This doesn't feel right. Yeah, I remember one day walking out the front with a coffee cup and vomiting from the stress of it wow. it was really severe the good thing was that other people in the company also recognized that she was a psychopath workplace psychopath and they ended up letting her go which was awesome but I had to have counseling
0: oh sure wow oh can I swear
1: well no but it was it was a nice shit moment i went into that job feeling absolutely confident about my abilities and when she left had to go and have counseling because my confidence in six weeks it was only six weeks my confidence had been absolutely shot the whole thing
0: was really traumatic do you know one of the points i was going to talk about about how to avoid a bad boss is not to get one in the first place and you just saying you had a, a gut feel on this boss you need to interview them as much as they're interviewing you we give that advice to all our candidates and if you've got that gut feel don't go ahead with it don't be scared to question your boss in an interview ask about staff turnover ask about culture you could, you could have avoided that
1: yeah yeah absolutely and again it's funny I in that initial interview my gut was screaming at me so much so that I contacted her before I signed on the dotted line to meet her for a cuppa because I was like trying to allay my fears but I still went ahead with it
0: let's get soulful on social media Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram.
1: So have you girls actually seen the movie Horrible Bosses? Yes, I have. I know. Have you, Naz? No. It is hilarious. But pretty much in the movie there are three horrible bosses. There's Jennifer Aniston who is the dentist and described as one crazy bitch who sexually harasses her employee, poor old Dale. She drugs him and takes sexual photos of him and uses them to threaten him. There's Kevin Spacey as Dave Harkin who is the sadistic power playing boss to Nick. Makes him jump through hoops and do absolutely ridiculous things and I'm thinking my psychopathic boss from all those years ago could have been the sadistic power player. And then Colin Farrell who plays plays Bobby Pellet, the Cokehead, oppressive <laughs> in over his head, highly inappropriate boss, who tells Kurt that he has to fire all the fat people. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, very, very inappropriate. But in real life, let's have a, I suppose, pull apart. What are some of the behaviours that we might see in a horrible boss or a boss that's just not going to bring out the best in their people?
2: I think people who are horrible bosses are generally not very nice people because we're the same person at work Mm -hmm. as we are at home, right? So I think a lot of the characteristics that we see, whether it's power playing, whether it's putting other people down, Mm -hmm. whether it's blaming people um, for other things or passing the buck – Um, or just being so obsessed with the business goals that they don't care about the people or anything like that. They're typically like that outside of work as well. And sometimes it's because they actually don't have a lot of confidence themselves. Maybe they were bullied as, as kids and so now they've become a workplace bully. They're typically not very confident and have these these wounds personally that show up because they either want to be super successful or have lots of great material things to show people how successful they are. To have that status of a title or a certain size business or whatever it is that they're seeking to address whatever hurt that they've got that actually makes them show up as a really not a nice person.
1: And you mentioned before, Belinda, about playing favourites. You worked with somebody who played favourites and the impact that that had on you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. When somebody plays favourites, it means that they literally value some people on the team more than others. And typically what they value is that they just go along with whatever they say or they'll answer the emails they send at midnight or they'll, you know, if they say jump, they'll say how high when other people don't do that because they don't think it's the right thing or it's necessary. instantly makes it seem like some people are more valuable than others.
0: What about micromanaging? Yeah, uh, that, that was probably my experience with a bad boss. You know, in recruitment, especially in the UK, it's so sales orientated. And this guy would be on you every hour. How many sales calls had you made? You know, figures, figures, figures. And it was just relentless. And I'd been in recruitment at that stage for about 10 years and had an idea what I was doing. I actually walked out. I quit and walked out. Really? And it turned me off recruitment for about 12 months. Yeah. Um, But I think his issue, which can happen in management with bad bosses, he wasn't a manager. He was a good salesperson. He should never have been in a management position and he just didn't know what he was doing and had no guidance from above. So his way of managing was micromanaging.
1: So he was kind of flailing around and and possibly had uh, the pressure on him Mm. for his team to perform but maybe
0: didn't have the skills to be able to. Not at all. Great salesperson crap manager. And so, yeah, he thought by micromanaging he'd get results.
1: Yeah. So there's a real difference between maybe being really awesome at one element of your job, Mm. but managing people is not for everyone.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. And it's not a skill that comes naturally to Mm. everyone as well. You know, whether that's having difficult conversations, whether it's understanding the technical aspects of the role or just being able to hold people to account in a really respectful way, it doesn't come Mm. easy. And I mean, hard conversations are hard. And often I think managers avoid having those hard conversations, even about small things and then behaviours and other things fester and then they become really big things and they're even more difficult Mm. to manage.
1: I have to confess that I have found myself being a bit of a micromanager, we've got your back sister. And when I caught myself doing it and I've had to apologise to the team for doing it and it's always come from that place of fear to be honest. It's because I have been really fearful around um, a project that we're working on not being successful or been worried uh, financially. And so I have found myself starting to micromanage the teams and god bless them they're so beautiful <laughs> joey and danny that they uh, i suppose put my mind at ease but and i've had to uh, when i catch myself I, I generally apologize and go look i'm sorry i'd realize i've probably been watching looking over your shoulder and i'm really sorry but it's because of this because i've been feeling pressure that i'm putting on myself and the, and that fear and i'm doing that to you so i'm sorry
0: Oh, do you know how many people wouldn't apologise? They wouldn't own it. I think being vulnerable or being passionate or all these emotions that come with being a, a manager, you're human. And I think it's awesome for your staff to see that. Oh, I hope
1: so. And and we are all human. And, and really, I guess, Belle, you were saying before, talking about some of those different elements that add up to not being a great boss or a great manager. A lot of it, comes from fear.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think the other thing is whether you're referring to someone as a horrible boss or just not a good manager. It doesn't always come from a place of being a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> as, true. As you said, it comes from fear. Fear yeah. of, you know, not getting the results that you need, whether it's your own business or whether you're just so passionate about yeah. something that you do want to stay really close to it. And I know from my own experience I can be guilty of jumping in to my team and offering to help out, um, I just I want them to see that I'm involved. I want them to see that if need be, I can jump into the trenches with them. And I've encouraged them, and they are getting better at saying, "We actually don't need your help. That's fine. Thanks, thanks for <laughs> caring." Um, but really happy for you to, to stay out of the trenches. We've we've got this, yeah. which is which is great to have that conversation.
1: Yeah, and I suppose you just made a really good point because as much as I am talking about horrible bosses, which is really just making a play on that movie that I think is hilarious. We're talking about human beings mm. and you're right, not everybody is a workplace psychopath. I just had an experience with one. But, you know, a lot of the time it's just people who are kind of doing the best they yep. can. Yeah, And maybe need a bit of help and guidance around learning how to manage and lead people. Get
0: soulful and leave a review. Review us on Apple Podcasts.
1: For the employee, and you deal with, I mean, you run a recruitment agency and so you're dealing with a lot of people that become employees or people that have left a workplace Mm. and they're looking for work. What's some of the feedback that you get from those employees
0: about why they may have left? I think a really common one is not being... Heard, not being listened to. Um, whether it's small business or big business, um, small businesses, we get a lot of people who have got these amazing ideas and they're so frustrated that they're not being listened to. Big business is probably the same, to be honest. So just take a minute to listen to your staff and give them a bit of autonomy that they're, again, being micromanaged. Um, so people want to feel valued. Oh, totally. It's so simple. Flex it, like being flexible with their time, giving them the give and take. Um, the work-life balance, people not having those managers that expect you to be emailing back at midnight and working to 7 o'clock every night. So it's people looking for that work-life balance, whether they're young, old, male, female, children, no children, kind of all looking for the same.
1: And there really has been a shift over, I would say, the last 10 to 15 years around how people work. And I know when I started working at WorkCover, which would have been, oh, gosh, probably 15 years ago now, I was surprised at how flexible, it was a government department, I was surprised at how flexible they were with, with working hours and conditions. And there really has been that shift because once upon a time, it was really clock on, clock off. Mm. Now, let's definitely change.
0: Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and
1: follow us on Instagram. Nadine, what can people do... If they are experiencing a horrible boss, and when I say horrible boss, I mean a, a manager who they are, are struggling to work with, or feel that they are not being valued, or are experiencing conditions in the workplace that are
0: not optimal for them. As, as I was saying before, I think um, you know ideally you don't want to have a bad boss in the first place. So if you know if you can, um, when like I said, when you're when you're interviewing with a potential employer interview them as much so like you did you didn't trust your gut and you worked in a place that you weren't happy with and you should have listened to your gut and you did have a bad boss so I think the first thing you need to work out are you going to stay and try and work it out or is it time to leave so you could start a conversation with that with the boss or with management yeah so first of all if you're going to stay I think you need to work out who do I go to to discuss my issues I think the most obvious but the hardest one is your boss direct I think going above your boss's head is never going to end well, really.
1: But it can be, I imagine it can be pretty difficult to actually have that conversation with your boss. I I know when I had that boss all those years ago, you know, and it really was a traumatic experience, it was very hard to actually have that conversation Mm. with her because she was not open to it. How did it go? I actually invited her to the pub. (laughs) And tried to have a have a conversation over a drink to make it casual and not confrontational, and nothing changed. She didn't yell at me or get cranky outwardly. Nothing really changed, but then myself and a couple of team members ended up going to HR mm. and and said, "Look, this is actually." And you know, when I was vomiting out the front of the building. That was a severe stress response Mm -hmm. and I knew I was like I can't live this way anymore and I'd only been there like I mean she left after I'd been there six weeks and unbeknownst to me other people in the organisation had gone to HR as well so I felt a little bit validated that it wasn't just me.
2: Yeah, I think that's where whether it's HR or if you're in a a smaller business that may not have a HR Mm. team, whether it's a mentor or even a colleague, someone you can go to not to vent and not to gossip, but to perhaps get some coaching around how to walk through that, how to prepare yourself for the conversation if that doesn't come naturally to you, even get, you know, maybe access a bit of counselling beforehand, because as you said, all you can do is make that approach in the best way that you can, that feels natural to you, and if that doesn't work or resolve it or, or progress it, then sometimes you do have to look at other options whether that's leaving or whether it's it's taking it further
1: and there are external
0: organizations
1: as well that you can reach out to
0: something else I was thinking as well this might sound silly but how bad is your boss you know is it is it fixable and if it's fixable what are the triggers that's making this relationship not be so good and it could be you keep on making spelling mistakes in your correspondence triple check your work or if you're turning up late every morning and your boss is off his her face about it turn up early Like, work out what their triggers are and just not play on it. Like, I know that sounds really simple, but that could fix the relationship. And if if it can be fixed, fix it.
1: And it's interesting because now, for example, with Got Your Back Sister, I would want the team to come to me if they had an issue. I'd actually want them to come in Mm. and be able to talk to me about it. And I know there are some times that they don't agree with me and I may not agree with them. But I'd like to think we have a respectful enough relationship that we could talk about it. And I would want them to come to me to go, hey, do you know what? This is becoming an issue for me. So that you have the opportunity to do something about it.
2: Okay. Yeah, well, it's it's a relationship, right? Like any relationship and each person has a responsibility and I think employees have a responsibility to be open and honest with their boss if something's not working for them. And it might be something, as as you say, that the manager or boss is completely unaware of. It might be their body language. It might mm. be, you know, every Monday they're in a particularly bad mood or whatever it is and the, the boss or manager may be absolutely unaware. And I think it, it, it is an obligation on the employee to commit to that relationship rather than just expecting the boss to do all the heavy lifting in maintaining the relationship and making it a good
0: experience. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to the sisterco.com. We're
1: talking about horrible bosses. We're talking about managers that may be coming from a place of fear and so are not managing to the best of their ability. But there are some people and some bosses that are actually abusive and sexually harassed staff. That's some serious, serious stuff. Belinda, what can people do if they are experiencing
2: abuse or bullying at work? I think there's a range of options and the, the, the first and, and the key point is... Um, to talk to someone and and actually talk through what's happening and understand you know it, it does this constitute bullying harassment and what are my options and it, there's a range of different avenues for some people it might be they might go to their HR department or they might have access to an employee assistance program which provides counselling and, and a whole heap of resources around that a really good go to though if you're not sure is the Fair Work website, it has tons of resources on a whole range of things. I'm probably on there at least once a week um, on a whole range of of things, whether it's performance, whether it's behaviours, to really understand, well, what what are my obligations as an employer and what are the obligations and rights of employees in those circumstances? So those resources on there will define what uh, workplace bullying and harassment is, what is and isn't okay, and it also outlines a process of how to um, address that because it is a process and hopefully it's something that can be nipped in the bud quite easily but it's really good to have that sort of mapped out for you so that you at least know what the steps are to take and what the options are around remediating that
0: yeah so one thing to think about if you are going to go to your HR department or fair work or make an official complaint I think you also need to have in the back of your mind that it might not work out the way that you want it to And to have a plan B. Yeah, exactly, plan B. Whether that be look for another job or deal with what comes out of it. And like in my own example,
1: you may need to go and have some counselling. Yeah, yeah. Or you can go and see if your business is part of an employee assistance program, which generally provides, um, Belle, is it up to five or six counselling sessions?
2: Yeah, lots of employers will, they have, they have options for what, what is involved in their EAP. It could be the number of sessions. There's, there's a whole heap of different ways it can be set up based on the, the needs of the business, the size of the business, et cetera. So they provide access to external counsellors. And these days it's not just face to face. We're seeing a lot more um, even SMS or, or live chat based counselling. So it's a lot less confronting for someone to go and talk to a counsellor about what they're experiencing, particularly if they've not engaged with, an, with a counsellor before but also what you'll find with the EAPs is they have a whole range of resources, articles about a whole range of topics. So it might be bullying and harassment in the workplace but it's also around stresses like financial stress, good nutrition, um, mental health in particular. So it's a really safe accessible place for people who are experiencing something like bullying and harassment to get information and to understand what options are available to them. As the Chief People Officer of Badger, Bell,
1: one of your responsibilities is making sure that Badger has a really great culture um, and a really great setup in terms of staff, employees, and benefits and support for employees. What does a business with a really great culture look like?
2: Well, I think for me, that the key aspects of a great culture is that it's respectful. It's safe and it's vibrant. We should be able to come to work and feel really safe and respected, but also to have fun. We spend a third of our life in the workplace. It should be somewhere where we feel like we're growing, we're thriving, we can have positive relationships. So that's what I'm aiming to build and maintain at Badger, and I've been working on this now for about three years. And it's probably the toughest part of my job, but the most rewarding And the best thing I've done to try to facilitate that is to put in place what we call a culture code. It's um, 10 behaviours, starting with we say please and thank you and finishing with we address off-value behaviour and some other bits in between that really articulate to people how they're expected to behave in the workplace. And that's whether you're on reception or you're the CEO, that everybody is expected to behave in really safe, respectful and positive ways in the workplace so it gives us something to to bring people to account to and we recognize that in our people in terms of promotion rewards recognition as much as their actual financial results because we know that the more that people are living and abiding by the code and fostering that and encouraging their peers to live to that the business performance kind of takes care of itself and I'm guessing from what you've just said, it's about people feeling valued. Respected it and valued. Is. Yeah, it absolutely is. People need to know that their manager and their peers really care about them. They need to know what's expected of them at work, including in the way they behave, and that they'll be able to get that feedback on how they're going, where they're doing well, and that we'll invest in them to continue to help them to grow and thrive. Do you have any advice, uh, Nads and Bell, around
1: offer managers or bosses That maybe don't, don't feel secure or don't feel confident in their abilities in managing or leading people. What can they do, or where could they go to
2: to hone those skills? For me, there's two parts. Um, One is the expectation um, I think that should be on all managers is they have to to hone their craft just like their technical skill. If they want to be a manager, they have to be prepared to do their own reading, learning, be mentored or whatever to be able to build their skills. I think that absolutely has to be on them. And then on the organisational side, we have to teach our managers how to manage. We have to identify who the potential managers are and start to invest in some training and skill building for them. Because a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people will say, I want to be a manager. I want to climb the corporate ladder. I want to get that that status or that promotion or whatever it is. Um, But not everybody's cut out to be a manager. Some people are just really good technically. Other people are, are great with people and they're the ones that you know we want to help them be the best manager they can be. So I think there's there's the two parts and it really is about that lifelong learning and really working on mastering that craft because when you're a manager whether you have a small team or a large team those people's health and well-being is is in your hands largely and that's a big responsibility. It absolutely is. And as you shared in your story before Mel that in a really short period of time with that horrible boss you were left feeling like you didn't have the confidence, you didn't feel valued, you were physically unwell from being in that work environment and I think we have to all take that a lot more seriously that we should be caring for these people like we care for our own family because for some of us we spend more time mm. with those people than than our own family and it's, I think it's a really serious commitment when you take on a management role because mm. you're taking on those, those people and their livelihood and their confidence.
0: Do you know, I also think all managers have strengths and weaknesses and I think I'm, I'm very aware of where my weaknesses are. I've got amazing staff who actually manage up very well and I think a good manager allows their staff to manage up. Work out where your weaknesses are and if you've got someone in your team who can help do the job better or pass it down, um, but it's also allowing them to to grow in their career as well or in your business or in your team. So I think allowing your staff to manage up can also help you be a better manager and you can learn. Don't be afraid to learn from your staff. Yes, that's one of the things you've taught me, my friends. <laughs> Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram.
1: Well, thank you so much, ladies. To wrap up today's podcast episode... Let's go back to the employee. If somebody is experiencing a horrible boss or an inept manager is probably the nicer way to say it.
0: Let's just recap what are some things that they can do? Well, I, I think, first of all, have that discussion. It's not easy with your boss. I think that's the first point of call. I think it's it's so hard to do, but it's so worth it. You, and
1: you, what does it use? I statements. Somebody taught me that. I feel, like, Was it the feeling statements? I feel that you're not trusting me or I'm feeling, use the I'm, those feeling statements. Apparently,
2: it's less confrontational. I think the other thing is to be really specific, to turn up mm. and have a, have a conversation, whether it's with your boss or, or anyone else, but in, in this context, to be really specific about what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, rather than using broad statements like, I just don't feel valued by you? Okay. It's really hard for a manager. <laughs> it's really hard for a manager to respond to that. They can say, "Okay, can you tell me specifically some examples?" Exactly, exactly. That's because otherwise, you can't you can't address general behaviours. Yeah. If you can get the person to be specific, and again, I think if you're having that conversation with your boss or getting ready for it to actually get really specific about what's going on for you, how that's making you feeling, how that how that is making you feel, and what your needs are. Excellent. And if
1: they're experiencing, if that doesn't work, or they're experiencing abuse or bullying or sexual harassment, you may need to go further and go to Fair Work.
2: Absolutely. The most important thing is to not suffer in silence. There is lots of ways to, to get help. And as we've said, if that initial conversation doesn't work, using whatever you've got available to you, depending on the business that you're working in, whether that's um, the HR team, whether it's going to, to Fair Work, whether it's going external for some legal advice, if you need to, if that's the best option for or you. Or an external consultancy that yep. specialises in, in HR. That's right.
1: Okay, and what about, again, let's just recap for anybody who is a manager and – they are looking for some further training or to feel more confident in their abilities, what are a couple of things they can do?
2: I think, again, the key thing is having the, the conversation with whomever it is in their organisation that can help. So talk about what training and learning and development programs the business is having, talking about what they're prepared to do in their own time in order to, to progress themselves. And even just the self-awareness. So maybe it's asking your team for feedback. Where can I do better? How can I better support you? Mm where do you where do you think that I really need to focus my efforts because I want to be the best possible manager I can for you so ask for that feedback and then when you get it you have to act on it um, and keep checking in
1: our wonderful friend Alexandria Joy when I worked with her she used to talk about servant leadership which is really about being a servant to your staff and saying to your staff you know what you're doing, what can I do to serve you? And how can I be here for you so that you can do your job the best that you can?
0: Yeah, and I think going back to even what you were saying about apologising to your staff, I think be human. It's okay. They want they want to see that. They don't want to see that you're this robot who's just, you know, managing. I think it's okay to open up. Yeah, because we're all infallible. Yeah. We're all what... What's the saying? We're all little humans doing
1: the best that we can. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks so much, Nads and Bill, for coming in today and sharing your wonderful words of wisdom and advice with us all on how to deal with a horrible boss. Thank
0: you. Thanks, Mel. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.